The rookie class for the Cincinnati Bengals is playing with the veterans in practices this week for the first time. Which rookie will have the biggest impact in 2023? Let's break it down. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. Become an everydayer. Get all the great interviews we've had on this podcast lately and will have in the future. And you can become part of that first listen club, making us your first listen every day. As today, we're going to break in and dive into, sorry, the most impactful rookie at least we're going to predict it in the 2023 season i also want to talk about maybe james the rookies that we're hoping don't have to make an impact Hmm. this season Uh, that's a that's a corollary to the most impactful rookie before we get there jamar chase in town with those rookies getting their first day of practice with the veterans on monday jamar chase reportedly also in the building Bengals social media team planning to do some jamar chase content Apparently, James, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I love that he's back. I love that he's in town, and it's just another step. Heck, he, he can he can learn a thing or two from 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 old man Charlie Jones, who's older than Jamar Chase. Kidding there, but it, it is kind of funny to think about. Like T Higgins, he's older than T as well. But uh, no, it's cool to have Jamar Chase in town, and uh, hopefully, we'll get a, an in depth look at him during OTAs. And it's it's weird. Because is it minicamp? Is it OTAs? These are still OTAs. They're going into the second phase this week of their their organized uh, team activities, training activities here in, in town. So it's good to have him back, though, no doubt. Anytime Jamar Chase is in the building, you you, you can't help but smile because he's he's been great over the past two seasons. You know, I don't have birth dates for all of the college free agent wide receivers, Mac Hippenhammer and Malachi Carter. I, I can't find birth dates for. But I believe Jamar Chase is still the youngest wide receiver on the team. He's younger than Yossi Vosh as well. The only wide receiver, I believe, on the team born in the 2000s as a decade. Mm-hmm. So he just turned 21 or 23, excuse me, in right. uh, March. In March. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the guys on the team, I think, were 99, 98 birthdays, whereas Jamar's a, a 2000 birthday. There's a fun He's a freak. Fact. He's still, a freak. Still, Still the youngest and best wide receiver on the roster. He was 19, putting the LSU on his back, and then comes into the league and, and can barely uh, get get into a bar and, and is able to to do what he did as a rookie. And then obviously last year, put up huge numbers despite being injured. So expectations high for him. Expectations kind of high for this rookie class, but in a different way. There's no fifth overall pick. You know, the 28th pick in each round – um, is makes it tougher. Uh, I'll say that to, to land a, a Jamar Chase type impact guy. Not that there was any of those guys really in this draft. Certainly at receiver. That said, you mentioned it. Rookies that are going to make the biggest impact, and we will get to ones that you hope don't make a huge impact necessarily, because that could mean bad things for for the guys in front of them. But let's start with the the guys that could make a huge impact and really help this team this year who, who are you looking at who who do you have your eye on the most jake well who i'm hoping for 
is first round pick Miles Murphy. That's the best case scenario. The best case scenario, and I know they have a lot of depth at end, and we've talked about that. And that was one of the things we said going into the draft that was like, well, why would they take an edge rusher unless it's overwhelming value, which the Bengals feel like they got in Miles Murphy because they have four guys in this rotation already that they feel good about. But what you're hoping for is that Miles Murphy comes in and all that promise, all those tools, all that athleticism, all those flashes become something that, you know, maybe by week six, week seven are really consistent. And he's forcing his way onto the field because of how disruptive he is on a consistent basis, how solid he is as a run defender as well, which is obviously something this team is going to care about and something that he should come in relatively good at from a skill set perspective. It looks like that's something that should be a, a pretty smooth transition for him. So if he comes in and has, you know, quickly developed a pass rush plan, has a few more counter moves, a few more secondary moves in his game, has figured out how to hit some of those moves more consistently and affect the quarterback more consistently, and he's forcing his way onto the field, that is like a, a best-case scenario to me with, with the first-round pick, the premium pick of the premium position. That's what you're hoping, I would say, is the big, biggest impact. Is it what I think will be the biggest impact? I think he has the biggest opportunity just by, by the nature of being a first-round pick, but I'm not sure if that's my, my pick for having the most impact just right off the bat. If every Let's say every pick works out as a rookie and they, they contribute on their respective sides of the ball, not just special teams. He, and you mentioned it, the value, he will have the biggest impact. So in a perfect world, you're right. I think getting after the quarterback and doing that is going to be as valuable as what any of these players can do, any of the eight can do this year as a, as a rookie realistically. So I agree there. I do wonder, though, because it's wild to think about. I don't think it's it's Drago, by the way, not Drago, but I don't think it's Drago Turner. Um, at least that's how he said it when he talked with Dan Horde. I don't think it's Drago Turner, DJ Turner, for those wondering, DJ Turner the second. But obviously a premium position. Round three, I think Jordan Battle, you might pick Jordan Battle if I had to guess. I'm not saying that it, you will. I, I'm just, if I had to guess, if I had to put FanDuel odds on it, that would probably be one that I'd wager on for Jake Lisko. But I almost think their day three guys are going to have a huge impact in, in right away. And whether it's some special teams for Charlie Jones as a returner or the fact that they use three receivers all the time and that if one of them gets nicked up, I think Jones is going to be the first receiver off the bench in a lot of scenarios. And it's not just him. Chase Brown, who's their RB2? I think Brown's going to be in the mix there, assuming he's the, the type of runner that they feel he is. And then Brad Robbins. I mean, those are, those are three guys that could have significant roles right away and a significant impact. So um, go ahead, g give me yours, and it might be one of those three. But those are the three guys, as weird as it sounds, day three picks that I could see making the most impact, at least early on this season. It depends on how you want to define impact. That's another thing that we didn't really talk about before we started this discussion. Because if you want to talk about impact and as like how much do they impact the football game, it might be a different answer than impact as far as how do they impact their position? Because if it's how do they impact their position, Brad Robbins is going to be the puncher this year. Sure. Barring something crazy. And then I would say it's Brad Robbins because 
that is a wholesale change at the punter position. Whereas when you talk about any of these other guys that Bengals drafted this year, you're talking about them being rotational contributors. Chase Brown, Charlie Jones, Miles Murphy, Juan, Juan Drago Turner, Jordan Battle, Drago Turner, DJ Turner, whatever we're calling him. I, I think we have to figure that out. Uh, all of the above. For all those guys, you're talking about rotational they're going to be on the field in sub packages kind of thing. And then yeah. I, I think I still go back to Miles Murphy. Maybe he is my pick. Charlie Jones is a good one too. And when you were talking about Charlie Jones, I started thinking about six man in basketball. Mm-hmm. For, fourth guy at wide receiver, most similar yep. position in the NFL to six man in basketball. Maybe, maybe nickel corner is the other one. Cause they're not always on the field. Although these days they pretty much are. Those are the two that, that spring to mind. Just trying to make some cross sport comparisons there. Yeah, I. With me, I think it is Charlie Jones. I think the the most impact. Now, I hope it's Miles Murphy because if so, it changes things. It changes this defense and it makes this defense that much tougher. If you say you hope it's DJ Turner, well then, well that means potential injury and all of those things. I, I don't want to deal with that, and and I, I want Cheeto to have the the best year of his career coming off of that ACL, and obviously you want Cam Taylor Britt to take a step forward. So that's hard to see. Jordan Battle, I, you could get behind it, but then what does that mean? That Nick Scott's the third safety? That Dax Hill is the third safety as a, a second-year first-rounder? I don't see that happening, and I don't think that would be ideal. So looking at it and looking at this offense and looking at what they're sort of missing, they have one pass-catching tight end, one guy I think that they can rely on to pa- catch passes. I think there's a lot of ways where if Charlie Jones is the guy, I think he's going to be this week when Joe Burrow meets him in person and already has by the time you hear this recording, that he could have the biggest impact. Let's continue this discussion, though, Jake, because I still think there's a little bit more here on these rookies, this rookie class, and and the impact they could have. We'll do that coming up next. But today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel – is here at the perfect time because the NBA playoffs, the Western Conference Finals, well, they get underway on Tuesday night. It's Lakers. They took down my Steph Curry in the Warriors. And I say my Steph Curry because I'm a, a huge Steph fan. But if you think LeBron is on his way to ring number five, well, you can wager on the Lakers to handle business. Or maybe you're going the other way. And you think that the Joker, the back-to-back MVP prior to this year, and some thought he should win it three straight years, that they're going to get their first ring with the Denver Nuggets or at least get to the NBA Finals. You can wager on that. You can do same-game parlays with different prop bets, and everyone's overlooking the heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I actually like them in Game 1. That prediction, sure to be wrong, but the point is is you can wager on all of those things by going to fanduel.com slash locked on to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back your first bet doesn't win again fanduel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet that's free money fanduel.com slash locked on more to talk about with these rookies and impact they're going to make who you want to make an impact and and like you said and like i said i think it's hard to make a super strong case for any of these guys given the veterans on this team like do i hope charlie jones makes a huge impact as a rookie on special teams, yes. As a wide receiver, probably not, right? Same reason that I, I hope 
we don't have to see a ton of DJ Turner because mm-hmm. you hope that Cheeto is healthy. You hope that Cam Taylor Britt continues to be the guy. Jordan Battle, though, is an interesting one in terms of, of hope. Like, is, is it a big Ooh. deal? Did, did I nail it? Uh-oh, keep going. No, but it's – no, I, I think I've, I've given my answer. Like, Miles Murphy, Brad Brad Robbins, Charlie Jones. I, I think Brad Robbins in terms of, like, like in a vacuum, ignoring sure. football, like, what's important, right? Because he's going to be your punter, and that's a huge difference to me. Um, but – you know, you're talking about Charlie Jones is a special team and special teams impact. Brad Robbins is a special teams impact. Miles Murphy is a rotational piece. DJ Turner is the first corner off the bench. Charlie Jones first corner off the bench. When you're talking about defensive offensive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First receiver yeah. off the bench. Yep. Um, so, so then uh, when you look at Jordan Battle, when you, when you were talking about you know if if he's playing a lot, Nick Scott's and the you know safety three is is, is that such a bad thing though? If Nick Scott ends up being a third safety, he started for one year in the NFL. And when they when they signed him, and I still think this, they signed him to be starting safety, a starting free safety in particular, deep safety. But they're not paying him a ton. Like if he ends up being the third guy, the, the guy that actually, oh, it's not going to be Jordan Battle coming on the field in the sub packages. We're actually going to bring Nick Scott on the on the field in sub packages to, to free up Dax Hill. Sure. To let Dax Hill move around. That wouldn't be the worst thing if, no. if that happens in like week six or week seven or something like maybe after the bye when they feel really comfortable with battle. No, I, I agree with that. I think it would be the other way. Like some, like I think some would be like, oh, well, Nick Scott can play that deep safety role and Jordan Battle can be Von Bell. And Dax Hill is just this guy who's on the field for 30% of the snaps as a third oh, no. safety. And, do, and, do we and, need some Dax Hill myth busting, James? I'm just making sure I don't I'm just making sure yeah that no one goes that route because of the three guys for always Dax Hill has been ranked going back to high school he was ahead of Jordan Battle he was obviously a higher ranked prospect I think he would have been the number one safety in this year's draft class had he stayed and, and came out with DJ Turner just to give you an example and so yeah I think he's ready to go I think he's going to make a big impact I know he's on the built bar plan and so I just I want to make sure people don't fall in love with Jordan Battle so much that they think that Dax Hill, a guy who didn't get on the field much last year, so we kind of forget, is going to be a huge part of this defense. Yeah, I, I hope that I was clear. I'm talking Nick Scott. I guess I was clear. Like Nick Scott would be. The no, guy. you were. You yeah, were. Okay. I just want to be clear on my end yeah. about Dax. Is he actually on the Built Bar plan? I know. I know you've had a chance to talk to him probably in the locker room. Is I, that, I is hope that so. A... He looks like it, man. I'm okay. telling you. Ooh, walking around like yeah, one year in the. I mean, he was a young guy last year, right? He he's another late two thousands baby. Turns twenty three in September. Uh, he he has a chance to work into that NFL body this year. Yeah, he would have been the. Would he have been the youngest guy outside of Miles Murphy in this class for the Bengals? Yeah, might have been. He yeah. might have been. D, DJ Turner. It's close. DJ Turner's a little bit younger. Okay, same class. Months. A month younger, yeah. It's just Dax came out a year early. Yep. Yeah. Um, as far as guys, yeah, that that you don't want to have to make a big impact this year, I would I would still say Charlie Jones on offense. You hope he doesn't have to, but he will. They they rotate receivers. A fourth receiver gets snaps. He will get snaps. And, and that's the part. You hope the three stay healthy. Yeah. And then yes. 
Uh, and also you wonder, like Trent and Irwin, they love him. Jones will have to do a little bit early on to, to beat out Trent Irwin, I think. For sure. Like he's going to have to win it, right? It's not going to just be handed to him. He's a fourth-round pick, not a second-round pick, you know. But he has every opportunity, I think, to to win those snaps. But Irwin's still going to see the field a bit, especially how much last year did we talk about how much Joe Burrow trusts Trent Irwin? And we saw that play out time and time again on the field where he was very comfortable throwing to Trent Irwin in a, in a variety of situations. And then the other guy you hope doesn't have to make an impact, I, I talked about it, DJ Turner, because you want those top three guys to be on the field as much as possible. But again, the luxury to have DJ Turner and Charlie Jones as your first guys off the bench at their respective positions is a on paper right now in May, a pretty big upgrade to their, their first half to bench at those positions going into the year last year. Mm-hmm. Or or I guess Cam Taylor-Brett was was not too dis- dissimilar to DJ Turner, but compared to yeah. the starters and, you know, your top four corners overall are better, you know? Yeah, I, I was just thinking, are we missing the boat here a little bit on instant impact? Are we sure it's not Chase Brown? Like as the clear-cut guy? that's going to make an impact right away. Like we know Mixon is going to max out. Let's say he's on the roster. Let's just assume, right? Which we don't necessarily need to do. This isn't a Joe Mixon topic, I guess is the point. 60% of the snaps max he's going to be on the field for at max. But then isn't he Chase Brown? He's probably splitting that a little bit with Travion Williams. Sure. But how is that split? Because Mixon might not, it might not be 60 for Mixon. What if it's 45? Yeah. And what if it's like 20 for Travion? Like I'm, I'm thinking in the world of like 20, 25% for Chase Brown. Okay. But, but 20 that, to 30 might be, that might be the most offensive or defensive snaps. Well, I guess outside of Murphy, Murphy would be the one, I guess that you would hope. Would yeah. You hope Murphy's playing like 600 snaps this year, 500 snaps this year somehow. Yeah. But, but that's a pretty the big one, number. But. The Chase Brown one is sneaky. It's not like he can't carry that load. Yeah, how many snaps did Samaj Pirine play last year? Let's let's find out. Pirine played 556 snaps last year. There you to go. Joe Mixon, 713. So that was like much closer to a 50-50 thing. And mm-hmm. I don't think Chase Brown is stepping into the Samaj Pirine role because Samaj Pirine was out there for a ton of passing down snaps. And, and there was I three games where Mixon was out. Yeah. Mixon was injured. But if Mixon's out, then Chase Brown's getting a lot of snaps in those games for sure. Yeah. Then he's RB one, I would say, from a running, a running standpoint, and then you would use Travion as that pass blocking back. It's just, it's interesting because I could still see them adding at that spot. So will Brown have an impact? I'm not sure, but I I see the path to it. Yeah, and so it's uh, it's good to have depth, Jake. I'll yeah. say that. And, and for Miles Murphy, I said 500 snaps. That was probably a little bit high, maybe 400. Is, is more accurate just looking at the depth chart last year. But you want to get Sam Hubbard more rest. You want to get Trey Hendrickson more rest. Those guys had, including the playoffs, 962 and 732 snaps, respectively. Cam Sample, 480, including the playoffs. Joseph Osai, 418, including the playoffs. So those snaps primarily, I would assume, are coming from Hubbard and Hendrickson. Keep those guys fresher. And mm-hmm. it also means that you have five edge guys active much more often the next highest snaps for an edge rusher last year outside of those top four and this is where we talked about what's the path to get on the field for an edge rusher for this team was jeff gunter 
of 37, which is, is nothing. He only played in four games and he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Not many, not many snaps there. So I think they know they have to give some relief to Hubbard and Hendrickson. And those guys need to know it too. I think that's the other part of this. And I was talking to DJ Reader and whole willingly take himself off the field to keep himself fresh during drives. Those guys, they don't think that way, which I think is is crazy in one way, but it's also something they're going to have to learn, especially with a guy like Miles Murphy in town. Up next, Black Friday and the Bengals. We'll discuss it. We are going to talk about the Bengals pitch to make Black Friday a tradition, the way that Thanksgiving games are a tradition for certain teams in the NFL, some of which are exciting, some of which are not. But tradition is tradition. Before we do that, one last point on the Miles Murphy getting on the field conversation I wanted to hit really quick. The other place I could come from, obviously, is guys kicking in to the interior or Miles Murphy even playing on the interior where B.J. Hill had a ludicrous 977 snaps last year. I mean, B.J. Hill playing on the defensive interior outsnapped Sam Hubbard playing on the edge. That That's yeah. crazy. That's an insane ask for a three-tech for any defensive interior player. So that's another Hubbard, place where they need to Hubbard find get, the best. Get that rear end inside a little bit. Well, that's Not another guy you want to you save some snaps for, right? So that's where you have those five edge guys active. That's how you get five edge guys active is Cam Sample, Joseph Osai, and Miles Murphy, and Sam Hubbard. Maybe they're all comfortable playing a little bit of four-eye, three-technique in different situations. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, all right, let's get to the the Black Friday yeah. extravaganza that that wasn't. It was about to be a tradition, and at least in the Bengals' eyes, they were hoping to. Re- read the quote here. I know you have it up about the Bengals' pitch for Black Friday football in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm on allbengals.com here, James, uh-huh. reading reading this Never quote that a guy named – looks like James Rapine published. Is that no, somebody uh, you know? Hmm. I, I've heard of him. Yeah. So the Cincinnati Bengals raised their hand and volunteered and said, we'd be happy to host the first Black Friday game. In fact, we'd be happy to make this a tradition. How about Black Friday in Cincinnati every year? It's something that they're going to explore in the future. This is Mike North, the NFL vice president of broadcast planning. He he finished this part of the quote saying, uh, I'm sure that'll be something we explore going forward now i'm not sure if it would be in cincinnati every year i don't think you can just say we're gonna put every black friday game which will be a primetime style game right like it'll be an event it'll be broadcast as as a primetime style game the way that the thanksgiving games are wouldn't probably be in cincinnati every year but it'd be cool for the bengals to have that cowboys lions commanders what other teams play on thanksgiving that kind of tradition for the Joe Burrow era to, to be born out of the Joe Burrow era, that'd be a pretty cool thing. I think that was the Bengals' pitch, though, mm-hmm. is let's have it here always. It's Black Friday. We're willing to. And that is pretty cool. I, I get why they didn't go with it, especially if they had landed on Bengals-Steelers. This might make some Bengals fans angry. I, I think dolphins jets is just as interesting as bengal steelers a lot of that has to do with the steelers as it does anything but from an interest standpoint it's probably more right assuming health and i guess you shouldn't do that but there's a lot of storylines that go into that jets dolphins game and um 
from Aaron Rodgers on down, right? Mm-hmm. And you could look at both sides of it. I don't know if the – I think the Steelers might surprise some people, but I don't know if they're that interesting. And they have a big fan base. You could argue that. I don't think they're that interesting, though. The Bengals are obviously interesting. Must see all of those things. So it's not really a Bengals decision in my mind. I think they might have looked at it and said, ah, the Steelers fit here. And it just it just doesn't make sense, which I'm fine with because they're not playing on Thanksgiving, which I, I will certainly take. There's two huge media markets there with, with the Jets and Dolphins too, Miami and New York, some of the larger media markets. Well, why are you focused on the Steelers? Just because that's who they play that week? Is that the thought there? Yeah, yeah. And so the, the bank... The the schedule makers might have said, "All right, mm. well, this is how it lines up. Do we do we prefer Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, or New York, Miami? Like it now, might have come down to that. If it was going to be a tradition kind of thing, where you're going to try to fit in different rivalry games for the Bengals, you know, on a rotational basis, because it's not always the same teams playing each other, right? Like they, they kind of no. mix it up every year. The Bengals have played on Thanksgiving before, obviously. It's the Jets. Oh yeah, um, it was a fun one. The the Ravens, Bengals, you know, th- would be a pretty be great. strong, competitive yes. game, you know, for, from from that perspective in terms of another division rivalry. I, I probably would guess that the schedule makers wouldn't want to put the the Bills or the Chiefs on that in that game, at least until they know that it's going to be a, a very hotly watched game. And I don't know who's going to have the broadcast is it going to be an amazon broadcast do we know i would have to look i forget but um yeah I'm not no, sure. I, it's either that or nbc i one of the two either so, way so there's, there's probably well the, the reason i bring it up is because there's probably some fighting over who gets the game and it is on prime so it, it's probably you know the network's fighting to keep like the bengals chiefs for example instead of putting bengals chiefs in that spot mm. is what i'm saying like, sure, you want to make it a really good game. The Bengals are going to be playing the Chiefs or the Bills or both in a lot of years because of the way the schedules work, playing other first place teams. So you, you would have some pretty good games to pick from if you did want to make it a tradition is what I was getting at. Sure. No doubt about it. And who knows? Maybe they will moving forward, you know, after this year. And depending on how the Black Friday goes at the same time, if I'm the league, I don't know if I would in pick one any team yeah ever including the lions by the way and i know they've done it and it's a tradition does that always work cowboys i get it there's cowboys fans all over the country Mm -hmm. so it it probably does work but the lions there's been a lot of lean years so i I don't know if i would hitch my wagon to any single team because you just never know yeah i mean at some point it, it probably falls on its face, right? The way the NFL goes. But that's the other part about it just being a tradition in general is it, it is something that people stay locked into over the years. Well, while we're on the topic of the schedule, one other thing we didn't hit in that schedule reaction episode, James, because we were so focused on the Bengal schedule at the time, the, the decision makers about primetime games with the NFL mm-hmm. need to do better. And I don't know if I need to expand on that or not, but the Bengals getting four primetime games and some of the teams ahead of them getting more primetime games, despite the quality of those teams, the Bengals perform really well when they're on TV. I went back and looked at, at the ratings for last year. The chargers, I think had better ratings than the Bengals in like 
one game last year when I compared it. So giving the Chargers six, I know you have a big market in L.A., but nobody cares about the Chargers in L.A. And they don't draw the way the Bengals did last year. That's a big head scratcher for me. But uh, we'll, we'll see how things go over the course of the year and, and the various flex opportunities and that sort of thing. I was surprised by four prime time. There's no doubt. And essentially five, if you count that December 23rd game, because that is going to be NBC, all of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And they, they're going, odds are they'll flex one or, or maybe two and they'll be able to up it. That said, I agree with you. But me personally, not mad. Six one o'clocks, a lot of them oh, at yeah. home. Heck yeah. No Christmas Eve, no Christmas Day. Heck yeah. New Year's Eve, that's fine. I can spend that in Kansas City. So me selfishly, the one o'clock starts at home are, are pretty nice. So I, I'm not uh, not angry at all. The road oh, yeah. Thursday night game is is unique for the past couple of years. The Thursday night game has been at home. Mm. So now I'm fi- I'm trying to figure out the travel for a Thursday game. It, it does make it interesting, right? We haven't had to deal with that. So that's one thing upon further review that has stood out too is like okay all right when am i when am i going to leave when am i going to try to to get into town for a thursday game do you try to go in thursday morning do you try to get back friday do you try to go wednesday and then and then just come back friday morning it's going to be interesting i know what i would do but you'll figure it out for yourself i know you will you always do yeah from from a media perspective you you're never complaining about primetime games but from like a quality of team ego about team perspective that that's that's the perspective i'm representing there but ideally if i can get in on thursday and out friday yeah that's what i would love to do yeah, but what, it's yeah. risky to fly on game day i guess yeah what what time of year is it it's october early november you just, you just never know you yeah. just never know i got delayed going to baltimore last year uh, on the way to new orleans and almost missed that connecting flight to new orleans Oh, yeah, because so. Cincinnati doesn't – like, they've lost so many direct flights, too. It, it, there's direct flights to Baltimore. Oh, but, okay. But if it gets – I you know, I haven't gotten that far. Yeah. That's Just all. Just book the first one of the day, the 6 a.m. That's right. Oh. Have plenty of opportunities to get there. Oh, yeah. I, I used to have to do that flying out of Cincinnati. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Plenty to come this week, including Joe Burrow meeting with the media, we believe on tuesday so we should have some fun stuff to talk about there first time hearing from the bengals quarterback in quite a while until next time bengals fans who day and have a good one